When the giants come to town, it's turn off the TV, baby. Welcome to episode nine of Foggy with a Chance of Seagulls. I am, of course, Evan, and joined by, of course, Clark. Clark, how are you doing this week? I'm good overall. Um, <laughs> the giants have been pretty putrid, so that uh, that's always less fun. Um, but we find our joy in small moments. But good overall. How are you doing, Evan? You know, I'm doing I'm doing okay. The you know, the Giants I've not I've not uh, paid a lot of mind to this week. I, I try, but uh, you know, we we do what we can. Well, actually, that's not true. I have been paying mind, but I've been trying not to like let my let my soul uh, get too carried away in what's going on because oh man, it's, um, it's been a rough week um, to say the least. Uh, we won one game. This past week? One game. Is that correct? One, one game. game. Um, I think there's something funny about it being one against um, Zach Littell. Um, <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Um, Zach Littell is a pitcher on the Tampa Bay Rays who, um, not famously, but I guess to us famously, um, showed up uh, our current manager, Gabe Kapler, uh, when he went to take him out at a random game at a random like, time. turned around and yelled at him, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, and you just, I can very much picture Caps just stare as he walks out the field, and then we, like, let him go pretty shortly thereafter, I think, was the thing, and somehow he's starting games for the Tampa Bay Rays, which is Decently so. Yeah, Um, and... The Rays are magic. Yeah, I mean, the Rays, they do whatever the Rays do, but, um, you know, it's been... um, we had that series. Um, they kind of gave it to us pretty hard. Um, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we took one out of three from the Rays this week um, at home. And then um, we have been playing the Braves. And somehow this series is worse than the last. Each series somehow seems to find a way. Uh, don't know how, yeah. but what a gut punch! last night's game was um oof we're recording sunday morning uh saturday night finally looked like our offense had turned a corner we were stringing together hits the line was moving five Uh, runs we scored five (laughs) runs it was amazing and then eddie rosario pretends that it's october turns on a high slider from Tyler Rogers and hits it to straightaway center field and uh it was one of the most gut punching losses. Maybe yeah. and this might be hyperbole. I might be getting caught up in the moment, but that feels like the biggest gut punch loss since Wilmer's non check swing against the Dodgers in the playoffs two years ago. Well, that's a hot take, but I don't disagree necessarily. I think spiritually this one was needed. Um and it was against who? Yanni Chirinos or some rando that was pitching yeah. for the Braves, like not their frontline guys. And we had Webb on the hill, you know, our ace, and we finally strung together some runs. But, um, you know, Clark and I texted yesterday. I, you know, this is, I guess you can make judgments about what type of fan I am, but I stopped following even when we were ahead because I just, there was just something in me that I was like, I don't want to end my night with heartbreak. 
And um, that's how the night ended. Tyler Rogers gave up that homer to Rosario, and that's all she wrote. Why are we doing this podcast? <laughs> this pains me. <laughs> and why are you listening? Um, no, but I, I, I think I think there's things to discuss. Um, there are definitely things to discuss. And, you know, not to linger on this game for too long, but um, we're kind of at this point um, in the season, and I think fans are feeling this. I think coaches and managers and front office are all feeling this, but it's like every game is being put under a microscope because of the way that we're playing right now. Um, there's, you know, the kind of news with the Giants lately has been very centered on the um, our manager um, and the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, it, it almost sounds like fake or like um, something that wouldn't happen. But like, I know that recently, I think, I don't know if it was last week, but maybe the week, week before they were like, burning sage in the batting cages um you know jock was like wearing again his pearl necklace that he wore uh you know during jocktober when he was with the braves just trying to get anything going kapler is getting um, himself ejected just to provide a provide a spark which we were talking about last week was like part of that bochi article that it was like you know that's a difference kapler doesn't get himself ejected i've heard him quoted before as like I don't see the point in like getting ejected or trying to force yeah. an ejection to rile up the squad because that's a piece on the chessboard that's taken away, basically, if the right. manager is out. And for him to do that, and he was supporting Wade Meckler, which actually, we got to shout out Wade uh, in just a sec, but... Yeah, he was defending the rookie who was getting hosed on a couple strike calls and uh, yeah, got himself thrown out. And then he got himself suspended for a game because he apparently didn't leave properly. And I think what he did was he admitted to it because he told beat reporters, he was like, oh yeah, I was in the clubhouse watching the game, da da da. And you're like supposed to be in your office on timeout. So, yeah. It felt so arbitrary, but whatever. He didn't manage yeah. Friday night's game because of that. So, yeah, a lot of lot of shakeups going on. Um, yeah, but and I and I think that um, you know there's a team that's trying to find answers, and I think um, you know we're it's it's at a time in the season where. Um, there's not much you can do to look for hope. You just kind of got to like play better. That's really all that it is. And I think, you know, um, the media and, uh, and, uh, fans and KMBR callers and the whole thing, <laughs> separating fans and KMBR callers, um, is I, our, I like, love that actually are, <laughs> you know, questioning every matchup decision of, you know, pinch hitting this guy for this guy or not pinching hitting this guy. And like, and, it's kind of um, it's besides the point. I mean, it's yeah, I, I, and, and I don't say this in a pessimist way, but this offense is like basically the worst in the league for the last two, two months, months, I think. Yeah, by every mm-hmm. by every stat, and, and that's um, not a small sample, frankly. No, and, and it's not. And like, and truly, you wonder without Wilmer Flores, like where this team would be offensively, like probably. Oh 
I, I don't know. It's it's un, it's unimaginable. But um, what what can you do when the whole team slumps at the same time? Like, there's really like because it's not it's not something about talent level. I don't think it's like you know we saw in July what could happen when like the team was firing on all cylinders, and I think it was a reasonable expectation at the time to think this probably won't sustain for the whole year, but you know, not everybody's going to keep this up, but at least a few people will, you know, stay league average at minimum, but we just haven't had those guys and we've had unfortunate injuries at the wrong time. And, um, you know, the pitching more or less has stayed there, uh, has hung around for, you know, the opener gambit hasn't been working as much lately. Um, but but again, when we score one run a game, it's hard to, you know, it's, Hard to blame our bullpen strategy or whatever. It's just yeah. I actually was listening to um, a little bit of the radio yesterday, uh, and in the pregame, uh, Cap was talking to um, our favorite Bat Boy Dave Fleming, um, and he <laughs> um, he, you know, he, basically the the question was something of like you know. Um, you know, you you need Webb to go out there and, and perform today, right? And Cap was like, "Yeah, we do," but also it's like it's on us to give him some runs, to play good defense, to catch the ball, to like do all these things. And um, and it's funny that you know this team just can't catch a break. Like we kind yeah. of did that yesterday, about as well as you can expect this team to do, um, all things considered. And then you know, I don't really blame Tyler Rogers for that. He, I think, in the post game. He was like, I didn't even expect that I could give up a homer to to left. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that was an outcome happened. I was anticipating. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't happened. And so, um, but I think those things compound when you like. I don't know. I, I not to get too personal, but you know, at, at times in the last month, for my in my personal life, like I've gone through a bit of a funk at times, and just like it, just when you feel that way, and just you're not catching breaks, it just like. It just feels spiritually like that's you're just like you're dropping food off the counter. You're like not mm-hmm. getting this job thing. You know what I mean? And it's just like when it rains, it pours is how it feels. And like, I think it's important to not like, you know, for me personally, I try not to buy into that narrative too much as far as like, it's easy to like kind of self mythologize yourself and like put too much, too many things in sequence to be like, to tell the story of like, I am stupid or I am whatever, but this team isn't <laughs> bad. They're not like incapable. Yeah. It's just, I think we're just in that period. And um, I, I don't really think that um, even uh, Kyle Harrison promotion is necessarily going to be the thing that saves this team. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Kyle. Um, I think in something you were saying, it's like, what do we, what do we look forward to it in the season or what, what's there to kind of glean from the season moving forward. And I think that the through line through this whole season has been the debuts of our rookies. Some really good, some that not disappointed, because I think for all of them, it's like just exciting no matter what. Like Marco didn't stay up for very long, but just seeing him in the big leagues flying out to right field was like, hell yeah, the future... The future is now kind of thing. Um, and so this week we have Wade Meckler, um, who was our eighth round draft pick last year out of Oregon State. He 
in kind of baseball terms, is kind of like a smaller, skinnier, scrawnier guy. Doesn't hit for a lot of power, but throughout this entire season, from low A to high A to double A to triple A, has batted consistently between like 360 and 400. And his walk to strikeout ratio is basically even throughout the minor leagues. And that's been a thing that our front office has really prioritized when making promotions is if you're controlling the strike zone. If you're a pitcher controlling it, not walking a lot of guys, if you're a hitter and you're not striking out a ton and you're taking a lot of walks. And so they promoted him and it was ahead of schedule. He didn't need to be added to our 40 man roster anytime soon. Um, It was a purely, we think this guy can help our offense move. And unfortunately for Wade is if you put on the orange and black right now, you can't hit. There's, there's nothing you can do. And he, for a guy who barely struck out all year in the minors has 11 strikeouts and 18 appearances. And it's like, you watch him. I, he struck out three times against your favorite Yanni Chirinos, not an elite starter in the big leagues, but yeah, he struck out three times on the dude's splitter and he just kept throwing splitter after splitter to Meckler and he was swinging right through it. And it's like, yeah. So this excitement of the debuts is really cool. Bringing it back to you saying Kyle Harrison, I think he's going to be up maybe even, maybe, maybe even by the time this podcast drops. Um, But like we have to temper our expectations because the kids are not going to save us this year. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think, you know, like let's look at like a best case scenario for Harrison coming up like, you know, there's been all this talk about giving him a soft landing or whatever, but there is no soft landing. It's right. It's the ma- the majors is the majors. And, you know, even if he comes up and gives us four or five scoreless innings, that's not enough for us to win a game right now. Like we, the, the offense is the thing. And, um, you know, the way the people that we bring in after the starters are are the people that we need to make the, the wins happen. And ultimately, the majors are not the minors. And I think. Like, I, you know, we were both excited when Meckler came up and he's been this name that's been kind of talked about this year. It's like one of the fast risers to the system. But um, I was reading a, an article uh, about how these days, less and less when uh, players in the majors uh, go on an injury rehab assignment or something, they're now kind of skipping that minor league phase and just going right back to the majors because it's kind of like well you know uh for a pitcher if you go back down there's there's kids trying to swing out of their shoes because they want to say they got a home run off Clayton Kershaw do you know what I mean or like it doesn't really reflect the talent level of that you're going to get at the majors as good as players in AAA are and can be Mm -hmm. um and it's just different baseball kind of yeah yeah exactly and and it's different you know the different you have to account for different stuff with like, um, you know, for instance, with Meckler, um, he's used to that automatic, um, the robo um, zone in the, in the major. So he knows exactly what his zone is. And like, that's why cap came out to like advocate for him to like, make sure that the league wouldn't, you know, would, would give him the strike zone that, that he actually knows and, you know, kind of all about all Wade And, um, and so like somebody like him, you know, it it just doesn't guarantee, as we've seen with all these debuts this year, and it's been exciting every time to see 
Schmidt and Matos and Bailey and all these guys, but um, it's almost like Bailey. Bailey has been like Bailey and Ryan Walker are like the two like mm-hmm. they will be on the team next year for sure, um, and like being meaningful contributors from the jump. And um, and it's interesting because like out of all of these guys, like their their numbers in the minors didn't necessarily like speak to that they were going to, you know, be impact contributors at the major league level. Not that they were bad, but, you know, with Matos, like his OPS in the minors is over a thousand and Meckler hitting, you know, 400 uh, as he rises the ranks and stuff like that. But um, the majors are hard and even Yanni Chirinos can, uh, can eat you up because it's the Even a mid starter is still a big league starter. Yeah. And, and it may like, when I talk to people about baseball too, they're like, it's so boring. It's easy. You can be like 500 pounds and like all this stuff. And oh it's like, God. it yeah. is not easy. I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I know we probably get recommended them as baseball fans, but like there's videos of like the POV of like being in the batter's box as like the ball comes in. It's like, try to imagine like you, like you've probably never driven your car a hundred miles per hour, but try to imagine that speed coming at you and trying to take this little piece of wood and connect it to a ball that's yeah. going 3000 revolutions per minute. Like I, well, I think you. what's, <laughs> what's also really helpful to that too, is watching like pitching ninja overlays where he'll show like what a fastball and then a changeup look like out of the hand. And they are together, together, together. And then at the last second, the changeup just falls and someone's like, why did he swing at this changeup that was three feet below the strike zone? And then it's like, Oh, cause it looked like a fastball for 55 of the 60 feet that it was coming at him. Right. And he has to make a decision in 0.4 seconds, whether or not <laughs> it's a fastball or a changeup. And I think that that sheds a lot of light on how hard it is. And, you know, we can't really be mad at the giants. Like, what they're trying to do is such a hard task not to get like, yeah. I don't know, too big picture here. Um, but I think what you were what you were describing, um, I think could be a fun exercise. Which debuts? I, I think there are like three categories to our debuts this year. Um, and I think you laid out the like impactful being the like top tier is just like Bailey and walker um and maybe sustainably impactful is a better way to describe it because these guys are going to be staples of our team next year that's clear as day after the season and after they've joined the club schmidt matos i think tristan beck falls in this category maybe keaton win um maybe sean jelly although jelly made his debut last year but so we'll ignore jelly but that's like if things work out nicely, they could be regular contributors contributors for us next year. Um, and then there's the Luciano Meckler, I think Harrison. Um, please add anyone if you think of anyone. Oh, I didn't mention Elliot Ramos, but I think he's kind of in this area too of like theoretically he could be really helpful in the big leagues, but we still have not seen it and we don't know what it would necessarily look like. Um, And I think using that mindset, 
for next year is it's a little depressing <laughs> because kind of what you were saying, it's like it's not clear that this youth movement is going to 100% lead the way and like take us out of this funk necessarily. But um, but I think it's also been helpful to, you know, turn the page, so to speak, with this this next generation of Giants players. But yeah. Any thoughts on yeah. on those little like tears almost or like just differentiating it from that perspective? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, there's like, I guess you could throw Sable in there too, maybe just like oh, as yeah. the Rule 5 guy. Um, I didn't year, mention but... Wisely either. Yeah. My almost and... doppelganger. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because um, it's like we can, we can definitely tear them up. But also, I feel like it's it's we're so early on in some of these guys' careers. Like some of these guys are twenty one year old, uh, you know, just were in a high A this year. And um, I think you know it's it's funny to be on the other side of something we were talking about earlier, um, uh, like a few weeks ago. Was um, you know it's like the player development at the major league level thing, like it's working. And then now you know. It's, you know, obviously you and I are going to defend Farhan and Cap like as much as we can at any given point. But also, you know, you you wonder we're we're fast tracking all these guys this year and like being aggressive with promotions and um, you know, it's kind of like this is we're starting to get into this phase of the plan where it's like it's it's that last step that being able to make adjustments. Um, to because uh and you know we've talked about this before too but um now like if you're a rookie and you come up it takes like however many at bats like a handful of at bats before the whole league has data on where you're where you're weak where we can get you um and that didn't used to be the case in baseball you could come up and kind of be people could see be seeing a rookie for the first time and be like what's the deal but it's like now you know and and so i think what the role that the development um, that you know that the coaches play and the development um, needs to uh, come in at for this team now is to take a guy like Schmidt, who you like, you saw it earlier in the year. You saw that you know he's got the a high defensive ceiling and he's got um, you know a much higher offensive ceiling than we've seen, or sorry, defensive uh, floor, and he's got a much higher off- offensive ceiling than we've seen, and so. It's like what's going to be the thing that like helps him take the next step because um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, appreciably between this year and next, like I don't think the approach to roster construction is going to differ hugely. Uh, we're this is not a team that's going to be leaning on frontline guys. It's it's going to continue to be trying to field twenty fives. Um, average to above average players and relying that you can like just keep the line moving in this way and rely on your depth in that way and so um and unfortunately we've seen guys like schmidt and wisely and matos and ramos and all of them look like below average performers and so um yeah i think that there's um and you know unfairly or not i've definitely been seeing criticisms of like the hitting staff lately, which is like, you know, and I think 
I've heard people talk about that and it's kind of like, whatever. I mean, coaches are coaches. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess like, um, you look at the kind of the success stories, so to speak on our lineup. And it's a lot of guys that have come in through trades kind of like, uh, Wade and, uh, Yastrzemski and, um, and, Tyro. uh, Tyro and things like that. And, um, and, and it's interesting because they had like kind of like a like Yaz just started hitting immediately in the majors, kind of. And um same with Wade. Like you look when they debuted and they just started doing it immediately. Um and I'm not I'm trying to be not KNBRE in this, but like um we had Donnie Ecker as our hitting coach at the time. I don't know what he brought to the table. Like I think that the the only point that I'm trying to make is like we don't know what's going on behind closed doors like with with this team yeah. as far as like what the day-to-day looks like and um you know like cap uh being frustrated this clip more visibly frustrated this week with media with whatever i think is revealing of the fact that there's like there's there's tension there's there's things trying to be figured out behind closed doors whether that's with the the open error strategy, I think that there's maybe more discontent from the staff than maybe like we see from the outside. Um, and, you know, with the hitting, obviously there's a lot of frustration with that. And if you're burning sage, then it's like, you know, you've exhausted a lot of options at that point. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking more questions than I am giving answers, but yeah. Yeah. I think, so we've got Casey coming up again. He got brought up Saturday. I think he'll be starting today, Sunday. People will have watched this game by the time this is posted. But Schmidt really tore it up in AAA. And I think the the like the full circle plan with this, um, like development at the major league level, is it it hit a point with Schmidt and with Matos where the hits just weren't falling and their defense couldn't make up for it. And in Matos's case, his defense started slipping a little bit in center field. He wasn't confident. It was very clear that like the rut was getting to him. And so send them back down to AAA, let them make some of these mistakes and kind of get over the pressure of each at bat and each situation. And Schmidt um, really responded well. He got sent down and immediately started hitting again down in AAA. Um, He had like almost a 900 OPS in AAA, which when he got called up the first time, he still barely had an 800 OPS. Um, so hitting better than he has ever at AAA in in this like, you know, momentary send down. Um, and so hopefully what the organization is preaching to these guys is that this is a taste. Like this is, you're getting a feel for this. We don't expect you to solve all of our team's issues this year. You weren't expected to be a major contributor this year but we see you as such moving forward. We see you as such down the line. And so learn, grow, keep kind of progressing. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can, we can turn things around. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. One thing I'm looking at with Schmidt in particular is um, Brandon Crawford looks kind of cooked and it pains me to say that. Um, but I think going into this year, if you were asking me kind of like best case scenarios, I would have said Crawford would have um, gone back to that kind of 2021 season 
and we would have been able to like rally around him much like we did Posey with this like you know a legends last year with this but he just he just doesn't have it he's slow on fastballs he's he's just he just looks old frankly and again yeah. pains the defense me to say is slipping too the defense is slipping too and so it's a bummer that Luciano got hurt in AAA he's nursing a hamstring injury right now but i think if he were healthy we would see a lot more starts of his at shortstop and i wonder if bringing schmidt up is for that purpose cuz we've got johan camargo playing shortstop for us right now which is just like yeah. the most giants thing ever <laughs> to sign this random dude who's bounced around this year he's played for the royals and tigers and both of those awful teams were like no nah, i'm good and we're like yes give me some <laughs> johan and honestly i've liked his at bats what does that say about me um but i think yeah i i think a lot of this is coming back to the fact that crawford's kind of cooked and next year we are going to have a different shortstop and yeah who do you think that's going to be it's a good question i mean i kind of it's it's an interesting off season to think about because there's not a lot of guys out there that like are impact, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're gonna like, find it in free agency, frankly. And even yeah. sorry, I ask you the question and then I chime in. But like, Please. even if we had signed a shortstop last year, who out of the free agent shortstops are we looking at? Going, oh, it's such a bummer we missed out on the guy. Like, yeah. Well, I mean. It's, you know, not to go re-legislate this too much, but um missing using that word, but, um <laughs> you know, when we were playing the Rangers, thinking about the way that they built their team is um they, at the time when they signed Simeon and uh, Seager to these, like, massive contracts, I was like, what's the vision? I don't really get it fully. These don't necessarily feel like guys are going to, like, give you long-term value in the way that you're expecting, but... They are the ones, you know, there was that crop of free agent shortstops that had Baez in it. And and then later we had Turner and Correa and all these guys in the last few years. And ultimately, the Rangers killed it. They got the two guys that they have did. given the most value out of everybody. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. I, I, I think, too, I mean, I, I hope, I'd love to see, you know, Schmidt, like, um, play every day i i don't i don't know if he's going to be that guy or um you know is fitzgerald the shortstop i don't like i don't know who it's going to be but um it's it's interesting i was i was reading a um an article with about um susan slusser was talking to greg johnson um the like chairman of the giants board or whatever Mm -hmm. and um she said a few things that were interesting to me one being at the trade deadline this year, there were no financial restrictions if a move worked, which was interesting to hear. And then for the offseason, when I asked about like the upcoming free agent class, um, there's a continued desire to stay under the, the CBT, the like salary cap for this team. And so, and, and when asked about kind of Otani, I forget exactly the quote, but he said something to the effect of, um, you know, I, I don't want to make a, a 
a free agent deal that's going to hamstring us um, for the rest of the roster. Um, and so I don't know. It's a really it's an it's an interesting offseason to look at, and I wish I had a better answer uh, for that. But what are you thinking? No, I think I mean I think that just describes it perfectly. There's no there's no clear path right now as of August twentieth out of this like kind of misery unless guys like Schmidt, maybe Luciano next year, really turn it around or we find lightning in a bottle again. And and I think that's been, that's been the only success like sustained success of this Farhan and Gabe era so far are these trades that you were mentioning throw JD Davis into that. He's been a crucial part of the season this year and we got him for Darren Ruff and also three prospects like the Mets were begging a team to take JD Davis off their hands. And frankly, we're seeing why a little bit. I mean, he can be so streaky and he looks tired. It's kind of, yeah. And maybe he's not an everyday guy. So we look at Michael Conforto and it's like, Oh, we're the only team that would have offered him that contract, that two-year with the player option for the second year. I'm curious to see, though, I still don't know if he opts in because the free agent class is so weak, especially for outfielders. He's still, yeah. even though he's been pretty average this year, he'll still get, I think, a pretty nice payday, potentially. But Yeah. Well, but what yeah. you're saying makes me think of, like, um, Grant Brisby wrote this article about, like, talking about the offseason moves from last year and how you know, it's his opinion that we, our lack of success this year is not, well, lack of success. I mean, we're still in wild card position technically yeah. for now. Um, the but, offensive um, woes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are not necessarily due to our free agent decisions. I think there's a few that maybe staying re Bellinger, which we've been banging that drum and maybe Yoshida for the Red Sox or something. But for the most part... Although Yoshida's been in a horrible slump at the same time our offense has, so he would have fit in right... (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part, I think that we made sound decisions. Even even the guys that didn't work out, you you see the logic on paper. But um, I think he said something to the effect of like, you know, we're triaging right now because it really, the success has to come from those homegrown players like you know look at the Braves who are playing right now it's like they've combined trades and free agent deals with the right guys with homegrown players like Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Acuna, Albies like all of these guys are Michael Harris homegrown. yeah Michael Harris exactly and um you know don't go look back at the draft results for the years that they got these guys and see who we took ahead of some of these players. Um, and and I don't even think that that's like an indictment of the Giants per se. Um, but it's just, um, yeah, I mean, it's and it's obvious and we've talked about it before, but um, we, we, we need the young guys to, to step up and become consistent uh, major league players, which is really hard. And, um, and I think it's interesting be- to look at this season too, in terms of the first half was so, you know, there was so much hope. Hope springs eternal in the first half, but ultimately the second half of the base of the baseball season is so much more important than the first. And you can 
And right now we're still in it only because we racked up all these wins in, in July and whatnot. But it's like, it, it doesn't, and I think that we had done this too, but it's easy to be like, but we're still in wild card position. We're still whatever. But like, yeah. until it's a week or two left in the season, that stuff doesn't matter. Standings change all the time. And like trying to assess where the team is in in reaction to where we are in the standings is kind of like a, a, not a true way to look at the talent level of the team because it's based on how other people, how other teams are performing. And it's not really about like what you're seeing on the field. And I think, you know, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that this team is not, it's not going to do anything this year. At most, what we'll get is a first round exit from the playoffs. And like, I don't even, even in my most galaxy brain thing, I just don't see, um, you know, uh, playoff success happening this year, which is fine. And so, when to go back to somebody like Harrison, hopefully debuting this week, is what that's I think the thing that we can get most excited about. And I think that's what we've been trying to be excited about this year. And, you know, um, Patty Barrels continues to impress. Um, oh. And that's I have a story at huge. the end of this episode. If you, uh, well, why don't you allow me hit some it time, now. hit it now. Well, I just I want to say real quick and maybe I can jump into it right away. But um, yeah, I think future success, if Harrison comes up and pitches well, and I don't want to put all of our hopes on him, but like that is a tangible like he is right now the number one left handed pitching prospect in baseball. He is yeah. no joke, a stud five star prospect. And if he can come up and show anything this year, that yeah. I think ends the season on a happy and positive note. Even right. if we miss the playoffs or if we lose in the wild card, what have you. Um, I was looking at the standings just now, and between the Giants, Cubs, Reds, Diamondbacks, and Marlins, that's five teams. All those teams have 64 or 63 wins. And actually, the Cubs have 63, but they're in playoff position because um, of less losses. But yeah, I mean, there are five teams fighting for two spots, basically, in the playoffs. And if the Giants were to not make the playoffs, it would make sense. There are other teams in their same kind of grouping. But, you know, if these young guys get experience and kind of a, in a playoff chase and, and whether it goes well or poorly, what have you, like this is good experience this year, I think for, for the direction that we're going in, hopefully, but yeah. Yeah. yeah Any totally. thoughts before I go into my, my Patty barrel story? <laughs> um, no, I'd love to hear your Patty barrel story, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, no, you just, you made my point exactly that I was, I was going to say too. It's just like, I think, if if we can see some consistency from Harrison and like just seeing that he can do it at the major league level, that's mm-hmm. a win. Um, and I I think when I think back to uh, maybe we can talk about this after the Patty Barrel story, but um, when I think of like what the most exciting times that I've ever felt to like be a Giants fan. Of, co- of course, there's all the bombs things and whatever, but it's like it was it was probably like getting to watch Timmy pitch every fifth day and just like the excitement, the palpable excitement of like, look at what this kid can do. And I think that Harrison has the strikeout potential that Timmy's had that we haven't had 
in our starting pitchers in, in, in a long time. Like even, even Webby, he's a great pitcher, but he's a ground ball pitcher, like in the mold of um, a ground ball pitcher. And so, um, yeah. Well, he's I, very I think- much the cane. He's the cane to Harrison's, you know, Lincecum or Bumgarner factor, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if, if things work out well. Um, actually, to that point, yesterday I was on a, on a little hike through the Presidio and we walked through, we walked by this woman, um, and her dog and the woman was in a a wheelchair and her dog was like walking alongside of it and had a like little dog jacket with the number 55 on it. And it was Mm -hmm. a Tim Lincecum, like, yeah, dog outfit. I don't know if that's the right (laughs) way to put it, but dog fit. Um, but, uh, yeah, and we were like, oh, I know where that 55 is, or I know what 55 is. And she goes, oh, Timmy is my hero. And it was just this like older woman who is still like, when was Tim Linscombe's last pitch for the Giants? It was 2015? Six? Yeah. 20, was he on the 2016 2015. He was on the 2016 yeah. LA Angel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Legend. Great for my immaculate grid. Um. But, but uh, no, I mean the the sustained power of a guy like Tim Lincecum holds the fandom that we like that we love so much and and we put so much of our personality into, and so you know having all these guys debut is a peek into the future. But the attrition rate of major leaguers means that not every one of these guys is going to contribute in a long sustainable way. But we have Patrick Bailey, who this year has already produced so many moments. And last Sunday, we recorded in the morning, and then I went to the Giants game um, against the Rangers. And every year for the last two years, um, my girlfriend Amanda's 94-year-old grandmother, who is the biggest Giants fan that I know, um, rents or gets a a suite for the game because she's in a wheelchair. She can't really um, navigate the ballpark otherwise. Um, so it was her and 20 other people in this suite. And again, we did it last year, we're doing it this year. And um, Webby pitched an absolute gem. Um, we had so many runners on and couldn't get them in. We had, we had one run. It was, one nothing win. We were one out from um, from taking it. Webb complete game shutout, and he gives up a double. Kapler takes him out. I think justified. Um, Doval to boost. You know, gets <laughs> well. He he gets a seventy mile per hour grounder to short, and the guy from second who is stealing on the play ends up scoring. It was a very depressing moment, and then he box in a run in the tenth inning. And it's like I was I was a pool of depression in this in this luxury suite with like family and yeah. (laughs) And uh, Amanda's sitting next to me being like, you know, it's all right. We had a great time today, like coaching me up. And then with two strikes, Bailey hits a walk off homer and we absolutely lose our minds. And what's great about this is last year the game that uh, they picked to for the suite, 
was a Pirates game where it was very similar. We had a lead for most of the game. We gave it up in the ninth inning, and then Tyro hit a walk-off homer. So for back-to-back years now um, in the the suite for Amanda's Bachan, shout-outs to her Bachan um, for, uh, yeah, for this luxury suite, two walk-off homers. So I'm trying to send a petition to the Giants and using my very public platform here to uh, ask that we always go to games in a suite because they only hit walk-off homers when we go. But yeah, well, so petition starts was, today. <laughs> <laughs> um, w- uh, if you want to log on to change.org slash give Clark a suite, um, that's going to be our big push for <laughs> the next to the end of the season. But it's funny you mentioned that because um, on Bags and Brisby, um, Grant was talking about how um, he has been to a suite five times in his life. And one of them was actually at the same game as you. And then every other game was like some consequential thing of like a Bonds homer or a walk off or Timmy doing something. And so I think if we can get you and Grant luxury suite access year round, I think that that'll really change. Um, Make it so, Evan. Make it so. (laughs) I will try my best. I will talk to um, to Greg uh, Johnson. Um, My guy. Name drop. Um, we know we just we talked about a lot of stuff, politics, uh, baseball, and we just kind of align <laughs> align on everything, and it's always a good time. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to see. I've I've never been to any luxury suite, so maybe maybe it's like get Clark, Evan, and Grant to all hang out and mm. go to every luxury suite game, and I think that I don't know that just feels right to me. Um, it does so, feel right. Yeah, Farhan, Greg. If <laughs> well, should we? Uh, I think yeah yeah I think I think well, I think we should get the heck out of here um <laughs> and you know I think I think we've we've talked very pessimistically this week but I think this is a week I think this is our last week to turn it around kind of a little bit and I think that we have some series where we can do it the town levels there so you know we're not tuned out yet um and hopefully next week we can we can be talking about a Kyle Harrison promotion because yeah. that would be maybe one of the most exciting moments of the year. So um, here's and if to... Not, yeah. No, I'll, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, if and if not, we're going to see a lot of kids playing in September. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Which will also exactly. be fun. Yeah. Um, anyway. The Johan Camargo um, uh, yeah. story. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway... Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Take care of yourself. Give yourself some self-care. Don't watch the Giants if you don't want <laughs> don't to. Don't watch the Giants should too. <laughs> for self-care. <laughs> All right. We'll watch we'll see you next week. You. Yes, yeah. we will. Have All a right. good one. Later, Evan.